Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cigars and Syndications. We are passionate about cigars, and we are passionate about real estate. We decided to put the two together, and here you have it. We have a show today, a really good show, actually. We're going to talk about underwriting. Uh, my name is Junaid Noor. I'm here with my co-host, Robbie, Ro- Robbie Rogers. Robbie Robinson, actually. No, Robbie Rogers. You know, you should have named yourself Roger Rogers. That would have been funny. I've been called way worse. <laughs> so today we're smoking the Placencia Etefal. And this is a special edition cigar uh, made in uh, uh, 2022, fall of 2022 by Placencia, uh, uh, specifically made for the World Cup, the FIFA World Cup held in Qatar. And Etefal, the name actually means celebration in Arabic. Uh, we just lit this cigar. It's super good right now. It's very spicy, uh, very creamy. What, what do you think, Robbie? Yeah, it, it lit up nicely. Um, it's got a really nice, creamy, peppery kick it to start off. Um, hopefully, the the rest of the cigars is enjoyable as the first part. It's a um, it's a, Nicara- a Nicaraguan wrapper uh, with a Nicaraguan and Honduras uh, binder and filler. Um, the only size it comes in is a Toro, which is just, uh, I think a six by 52. Um, it begged for a, a nice, uh, straight cut from me. Uh, I typically uh, favor the V cut, but, uh, this cigar looked like a straight cut to me. And, uh, I think I made the right choice. I'm really enjoying the cigar so far. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm a very big fan of the Nicaraguan, uh, cigars over the Honduran cigars, but this has got a, a nice blend and we'll see, we'll see how it progresses. Yeah, so far so good. Um, and, and I think today um, we're going to lightly touch on underwriting. You know, it can be a very complex uh, beast. Um, it can be a very challenging. Uh, there's different, uh, there, there's LP uh, implications or GP implications. There's uh, debt and equity implications. It, it's, a, um, it's a pretty intense, um, uh, you know, underwriting of a, of a project and, and just really trying to get to the nuts and bolts of the thing and, and how it looks like uh, financially. Yeah. So, you know, with underwriting, um, a lot of people like to look at uh, the, the spreadsheets that that we produce or some of our co-GPs produce uh, for underwriting. They don't all understand what it is that they're looking at. And so, you know, let's, let's touch on some of the, some of the line items that, that they should be looking at and what they should be looking for. So one of the first line items, uh, and we're talking about either you know multifamily properties um, because that's what we do uh, most. Uh, the first line item is called GPR, gross potential rent. Uh, and usually, what the underwriting will show is it'll show the trailing twelve months, and then it'll show a projection of the next year, the following year, you know. And usually, they'll show like a four or five year projection. Um, with the GPR, the gross potential rent, the uh, limited partners, when they're looking at that to invest in a property, uh, the most important thing they should look at is that that growth rate, you know, um, and try to verify it independently. So, you know, is is the rent uh, that is being forecasted uh, growing at a conservative rate or a very aggressive rate? So are they growing at? Three uh, percent uh, annually, or they're growing at fifteen or twenty percent annually. Because you know you can, you know, in, in the past uh, few years, rents have been a little bit crazy, and they've been growing twelve and fifteen percent in in almost all localities. But that doesn't mean that they're going to continue to grow 
And I always prefer uh, to have a more conservative growth rate. Yeah, no, I've seen some underwriting done where where they'll even take that growth number and it would be the same across the entire spreadsheet, which which to me, it, it, it kind of, I feel like maybe they didn't put the 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 necessary uh, understanding of the market uh, in consideration because to me I don't think that uh, I don't think that that is ever the case I mean you might get a few years where it, it can be you know stagnant um, or, or be consistent with its growth but overall I think you're going to get a, a a variation in growth and I think people that are local and understand the market understand this and and as well I think maybe the the banks and lenders are looking for this information you know accurate um, true representations of a, of a market in a given area. Yeah. You know, um, lots of times, especially when they're new, uh, uh, when the uh, sponsor group is new, they try to, they try to tailor the underwriting to the IRR, to the IRR, the, the returns that they think the investors would want. Whereas what should really happen is uh, do the underwriting. And then if the returns don't work, it's not a good project, right? So if you do the underwriting uh, factually, the way it should be done in a conservative manner, uh, and then the returns don't come out the way you want them to do, then you know it might be it might be a good idea to walk away from that deal. I agree with that a hundred percent, and and I've 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 seen that happen over and over again. And people try to work the numbers to the IRR they want instead of putting in the true and accurate information. And then working it out to the IRR. And, and if it's, if it's what it should be, if it's 20%, 23% or 15%, whatever it is, you know, all the numbers should support that. You know, all the information should be accurate. The next thing that people should look at uh, as a line item is vacancy rates. Uh, if you're trailing 12 months, show 70% vacancy. And I know 70% vacancy is, is a little difficult uh, in this day and age because there's such an apartment shortage. But if it's showing 70% uh, vacancy and your sponsor on your forecast is showing 95% vacancy, um, it, that might not be a bad thing, but you want to know how, how do you plan on getting there? You know, how do you plan on getting this vacancy filled? What are you going to do? How are you going to either stop the turnover or get new tenants in or, uh, uh, get these other apartments that are always uh, vacant, how are you going to rent them out? You know, one thing that always, um, there's always human input into anything, and, and, and that holds true with underwriting. Uh, where do you think the biggest challenges are as an underwriter when you're doing underwriting? What are the biggest challenges to, to kind of take the human element out and, and, and use the most accurate and, and qualified information? Um, I think the biggest challenges are, uh, experience is number one, uh, is, is your biggest challenge because I can get all kinds of statistics from CoStar and Yardy and, 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 uh, people that I know, but how, how much experience do I have or your, does your sponsor have to be able to implement that business plan and actually meet those numbers, right? Because, you know, being from a financial background, I can project, I can put all kinds of numbers on a spreadsheet, but are they real? And can we achieve those numbers? Can we execute on those numbers? That's where the real talent comes in. No, I totally agree. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, there's nothing better than having a product, a property or a project in close proximity to a new project where you have, have factual information and, and can really, really do some underwriting that that's exceptional. 
So the next item uh, that people should look for are the operating expenses. So as as sponsors tend to overstate revenue, they tend to understate the expenses. So payroll, uh, one of the biggest ones, especially if you're buying a value-add property, is going to be your make-ready and your turnover, uh, your repairs and maintenance, uh, your capital costs. Right. So if it's a if it's a, a class C property and they're talking about raising rents, well, how much are you going to spend to renovate those those uh those units in order to be able to get that higher rent? Yeah, no, I've seen I've seen some of exactly what you're talking about. And you know, they, they have to again working the number towards the the returns that they're looking for instead of putting the, the accurate information. Are there some common ratios to look for, like let's just say in in a value add multifamily situation? Are there some some uh, some ratios that people should look for that uh, that maybe make sense? I mean, there are some ratios, but you know, um, a class B property versus a class C property versus a class A property, your numbers are going to be your ratios. Uh, you know, like your expenses as a percentage of your revenue is going to be very different. For example, when we do development, our first year when we are done with the project is completely off. It can't you can't even really look at those numbers because we're still ramping up. We're still, you know, getting new tenants in and 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 just finishing up the uh, the uh, the the development portion, finishing up the construction <clears throat> on some of the buildings, getting new tenants in. So that first year uh, as we're ramping it up, uh, you can't really even count that. So yeah, there are some ratios that, uh, that, that we can look at. And, you know, what we'll do is, uh, we'll, we'll write an article on it and we'll post it on our website. So you can go look at our website, www.albanyparkcapital.com, hit that resources button and we'll have an article, uh, on this topic on underwriting. And we'll put some ratios on there and kind of guidelines as to what people can look for. Well, back to this, uh, this placencia is amazing. Um, the burn is, is insane. For those of y'all that can't see it, it is, it is burning perfectly. Um, it is a really nice smoke. Um, as I'm starting to get towards the, the end of the first third, I'm getting, um, a really light, uh, maybe florally, uh, maybe a berry, uh, with just a, still a nice peppery, a nice creamy peppery, uh, flavor, um, Really, one of the better cigars I've I've smoked so far in 2023. I I really like it. It's smooth. It's it's becoming really smooth now. A uh, little bit peppery, more creamy. I'm not really getting the berry yet, uh, but uh, it is a fantastic smoke. Yeah, really, really liking it so far. Um, I would. Uh, I can't wait to finish this guy. So another item that people should look for on the expense side of the uh, the statement, especially. Uh, when you're looking at the trailing 12 months is bad debt. You know, you could have 95% occupancy, but if half those people are not paying, then you have a lot of bad debt, right? So let's say you have 95% occupancy, but you haven't, but the old uh, landlord has not kicked anybody out just to be able to show 95% occupancy. Well, if they're not paying and you haven't kicked them out, the new owners uh, and you being the investor, your sponsor needs to have a plan to address that. Yeah. And, and I mean, just, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Jay, we had a project presented to us not terribly long ago. Um, and 
they they weren't very clear and very transparent um, in their underwriting, and they presented their underwriting, um, and and it showed that their their um, their bad debt was negligible. Um, however, when Jay asked them for their tra- their trailing twelve, then they put their bad debt in there, and 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 I believe it was it was uh, it was almost a fifty percent unoccupied uh, units. Well, it was uh, so it wasn't even they didn't even they didn't even give it to us during the during the document phase. Uh, it's when we visited the property and we asked the property manager for a uh, for a report on bad debt or a report on non paying tenants. She was able to show us uh, who who was paying and who was not paying. It was about fifty percent. Hopefully, you didn't get somebody fired. <laughs> Hopefully not, but we certainly didn't didn't buy that property. So how what is the um, what does the LP look for as far as the debt goes? Yeah, that's a really good question because everybody talks about the equity side. Uh, you know, what is the you know how much equity, uh, how much money that they're raising to put into the deal. Um, and how much the, the sponsor, the GP is going to put into the deal. But the debt side is very important as well, because you want to look at, you know, what is the interest rate that they're getting? Um, how does it change? Uh, is it a variable rate or is it a fixed rate? Um, because uh, especially in, a, in an environment like right now where you have these uh, rates are going up, if you if you get into a property with a variable rate loan, and your underwriting doesn't account for any increases in rates, then uh, you're in for a shock because what's going to happen is the rate's going to start going up. It's going to decrease your interest payments going to go up, and uh, it'll start decreasing the net operating income, which means that the the limited partners, uh, whatever distributions they were promised, either quarterly or monthly or annually, are not going to get anything or very little. Yeah, you get the the variable rates and you can get the fixed rates, uh, but you can also, with a variable rate uh, loan, you can get uh, rate caps. How do you feel about rate caps and what do you think um, that impact of the underwriting, how does it impact the underwriting? So, you know, if the the sponsor has a plan uh, for addressing uh, variable interest rates, and again, variable interest rates are not necessarily a bad thing. you know, you may be able to get a, a a small, a lower variable interest rate right now. And then you think about maybe, you know, if it's a five-year hold property, we'll write it out for the next three years. But the rate cap is important because the rate cap basically is your insurance policy. The rate cap basically says, hey, you know, uh, if the Fed raises interest rates to X level, anything over that X level um, the insurance company will will make make up that difference, and of course, in in an environment like this where you have a lot of rates, um, a lot of rate increases, rate cap insurance becomes expensive as well. You know, you have to pay that premium up front. But if I was if I was uh, you know forecasting that that this time next year the rates were going to start coming back down, you know, maybe a variable product would be the way to go. Um, especially if you got the cap rate insurance. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it works really well. But again, it's something that not necessarily to be afraid of, but your your sponsor, your general partner needs to have a plan. They need to be able to address it. They need to understand it. They need to know what it's all about. And they need to be able to explain it. Right. And then, and then the cost implications, how much, how much of the... Um how much of the of your profit and and stuff is are the cap rates going to eat into? So the other thing that uh, um, 
uh, investors should look at when when they're looking at underwriting is uh, how much money the general partners are making. You know, the general partners charge an acquisition fee. They charge an asset management fee. Um, there's a property management fee involved. And, and all of this is pretty standard. Uh, but the general partners should, should make that all, uh, visible, very transparent. They should disclose everything. If they own the construction company or if they're get, if they are getting a, a development fee, they should disclose that as well. And it should be very transparent. There should be nothing hidden away. There should be no reason where a general partner says, well, uh, we're not going to give you this information. Uh, here's, this is all you get. So, it, you know, if, if you have a general partner who's basically saying, I'm not going to show you my underwriting. I'm just telling you what, what returns you're going to be getting. And you should be happy with that. I'd walk away from that deal. Yeah. I mean, there's several ways that, that I've seen them structured before. And, and in some cases, it's just different ratios between LP and GP. Sometimes the LP gets all their money and then before the GP gets theirs. Uh, I've seen some other instances where the GP actually, uh, their ratio increases based on performance of the project. I mean, I, I guess there's a lot of different ways you can put it together. Yeah. And uh, a, a good deal is since the LPs are the ones who are investing the money mainly. And the GPs are the working partners. Uh, a good deal is where the LPs get a preferred return. So that means, you know, they get, once the, re- the returns hit a certain number, a certain rate, the LPs get paid, paid first before the GPs start making their money. Because it's the LPs money at the end of the day. You're trusting, you know, the, the limited partners, me as the investor, I'm trusting you with my money and I want to make sure that I get paid first before you get paid. Yeah. And as, as an LP, I mean, the, the underwriting is overwhelming. Um, and, and I know, I know Jay's is very, very thorough and, and, and has a complete understanding of the underwriting, um, for a, a beginner or novice investor, uh, first time LPs, um, don't be overwhelmed by it. Uh, are there some key markers, Jay, for, that you could give to a, a, a novice investor or beginner investor, uh, to look for in the underwriting, you know, not, don't try to take it all in. You may not even see all the underwriting, but what are some of the key components that, that mean the most to the LP investor? So, so some of the things that they can look for, and, you know, again, you, you don't have to go and look through the underwriting spreadsheets. Uh, people have asked me for our underwriting spreadsheets. I've sent it to them. Then on a follow-up call, I asked him, so do you have any questions? And, he's, and you know, the guy was just like, I didn't understand anything here. So, couple of things that that they should just look for you know your IRR is important your internal rate of return because that's your rate of return over time uh which is not the same as your uh return on investment which really doesn't take into account the time factor um and then then uh, a couple other things that they should look for are you know uh the L- the LTV the loan to value how much debt um, are we taking in for this investment versus equity? Uh, how much the GPs putting in versus the LPs? Usually the GPs don't put in a lot of amount, a big amount of, um, of investment just because they're the ones doing the work, right? They're the working partner. Uh, another thing that they could look at is, uh, you know, uh, what kind of, a what kind of, uh, interest, uh, product are they getting? Is it fixed or is it variable? Uh, some of the fees that are associated with the loan product. Um, another thing is, you know, what is that, 
rental growth rate that you're projecting and what is the expense growth rate? You know, I heard from a friend of mine the other day that uh, in Houston, the insurance on multifamilies has gone up about 30% within the last year. Now, there, you know, really you could not project that, but they have to be able to account for it some way, right? The, they have to have some kind of a methodology where they're going to be able to be able to put that into their business plan and say, hey, you know, we've been seeing insurance rates go up significantly. So we're going to, instead of doing a 5% increase, we're going to show a 20% increase on our, insur- on our insurance rates. Well, I mean, I, I think that was a great uh, way to summarize it. And, and there's a few key factors in there that, that you should look out for even if you don't have a complete understanding of the entire, of the hundreds and hundreds of lines on these spreadsheets. Uh, If you look for those points that Jay just talked about, um, compare them to similar projects, you know, because a value add, their IRR may be different than a new development IRR and the expectations. Um, So just, you know, do your homework, uh, look for those key components that Jay just mentioned and, um, and, and maybe hit up albanyparkcapital.com, look at, hit our resources tab, look up some of our articles and, and, and educate yourself a little bit better. Uh, but don't, don't be afraid to jump in. Well, I am getting a little bit of a coffee flavor and I actually get, I'm getting a little, little bit of a floral taste on this cigar now. So uh, this is very unusual. I've never really had a, a floral taste on a cigar along with coffee. No, I 100% agree with you. The, the, it's, it's a really light floral um, almost like a really mild berry to me with, with a coffee, um, a bold coffee flavor. It's, it's really good. Um, uh, still burning beautifully, um, easy draw. And, and I wasn't anticipating such an easy draw. This is a really dense cigar just from feel. Um, but the draw, the draw is magnificent. I think I'm, I'm smoking this way too fast. I, I need to slow it down a little bit, but anyway, we hope to enjoy this episode of, uh, Cigars and syndications, hit us up on our website, check out our social media, and have a good evening. Have a nice day.